Welcome to Not Just Rainbows and Unicorns, a podcast made with love in Kalamazoo, Michigan by Nicole and Michael Van Putten. We take topics we find interesting and research them online, and then we get together each week and we talk about them. Sometimes it's every other week. Occasionally, like today's special episode, we have a guest. Uh, remember, you can visit us online at notjustrainbows.net. There you can view show notes, add your comments, or send us your suggestions for future episodes. And we'd love to hear from you. Today, we have a special guest. Okay, Nicole, you have to do the special guest intro theme song. Which is what? Uh, uh, <laughs> not just rainbows. <laughs> the circus has come to town, ladies and gentlemen. We have family who's come on the podcast. We referenced this last week, so... You're one of a couple Davids that we know that we're going to have on the podcast. Yes. We have North Carolina I'm David sorry. with us today. Got, we've got special David, and then we've got the other special David. Oh. One one I'm uh, related to through marriage. The other I'm related to through I work with him every day. <laughs> oh. And they're both cool. Good name. Yeah, it's both you guys are, are keeping the, the name of David proud and... Well, well defined. Yes. Wonderful. What the yeah. heck have you been up to, man? I have been jet setting around the world. Jet setting. <laughs> That's, is that like a normal thing for you to like jet set crazily no, all over? No, it is not. My wife and I are homebodies and we don't ever get to go anywhere, but we've spent the last three weeks driving around Europe. Yeah, so... I know where you've been and why you've been there. So for people who might not know who you are and what's been happening, first of all, who are you? Who are you? Like the CSI song says. Who are you, David? Who are like you? in a literal sense? Like, what do I do? He's a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah just... He talks your brother. Yeah, not, not like, you know, your whole life story. He throws but a fishing just line a, into a lake and he pulls out 20 just a, fish. <laughs> just a brief overview. See, I mean, you, you are... Michael just wrapped it all up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the, just... On the top of a name tag, I am, you are who? Uh, they call me David Ito. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you are... Where did you grow up, David? I grew up just down the street from where you guys are taking care of this podcast. In Michigan? Kalamazoo Parchment, Parchment Michigan, to be exact. Is that where you learned to speak until, this way? <laughs> no, not at all. I learned that 23. Six years ago when I moved to North Carolina and the South robbed me of my northern accent. I think it just made you more charming. <laughs> yeah, some people would agree. Some probably wouldn't, but I'll like to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you have... No, I am... You've you moved to North Carolina. You've you've been on the show before. We've inter I interviewed you because I think Michael had to work. I don't remember. Um, you have lived in North Carolina for a long time, and you uh, you went traveling. Why did you go traveling? What took you abroad, David? So my wife's closest friend is a big sheepdog person. She's in the competition sheep herding and she through her competitions in the year won one of two spots for an american to travel to northern italy to the world sheepdog trials which 
in the sheepdog world is a very big event. Long story short, we were invited, and with this invitation, we also needed to go to Wales to look at some dogs for this person to purchase to bring back home and to use for future sheepdog trials. So to sweeten the deal for myself and this woman's husband, she kind of planned a eight-country tour, which for me and this person's husband landed us in Switzerland to go skiing on the Matterhorn, Wow! which is pretty much the only reason he and I went. <laughs> <laughs> so, But in doing so, we got... Go ahead. When you say sheep dogs, I think of sheep dogs, like dogs, sheep dogs, furry, fluffy sheep dogs. But you don't mean that kind of dog. For people I do who not. Are, I mean border yeah. collies. Okay, so for people who are envisioning sheep dogs, like furry, fluffy, mangy sheep dogs, which I think are adorable, and Michael does not find adorable at all, you are talking about herding dogs, border collies. Correct. You know, the traditional fluffy sheep dog is a guardian dog. So it's right. a great big dog that just lives with the sheep to take care of predators. I'm talking right. about the, using the border collie to do absolutely amazing things with these herds of sheep. And, you know, going into a pasture that's 5,000 yards across and these people just start blowing whistles in different ways. And this dog just disappears. And the next thing you know, it's bringing a thousand sheep back and pushing them through little gates. And it's, it's absolutely incredible to watch. Yeah, these, these dogs are pretty amazing. I learned a couple things about your traveling about these dogs. First of all, people who own these dogs, they can whistle really loud. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> I have, I have some high pitch hearing issues and <laughs> There were times where I was like, okay, I got to go get in the car for a minute because I, it's like I know what a dog feels like when someone blowing a dog with them off. It's loud. <laughs> most of the people, they use these little, I don't know, brass whistles, these funky-shaped brass whistles, and they can blow all these different pitches. But these old-timey guys, they use their fingers, and yeah. I'm here to tell you it is it is so loud that I almost have to wear earplugs. Wow. It's it loud. is really loud. Like, do you remember growing up, our grandma, my our dad's mom, she could whistle with her fingers in her mouth like that. She taught me to whistle, I think, before I knew how to talk. And I can whistle pretty darn loud with my fingers, without my fingers. But these guys, oh, man, they stand up on that podium and. You can see, if you look through binoculars, you can see the dog 8,000 yards away. And every time he blows, you can see the dog glancing in his direction. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. The other thing I learned from your text messages is the people in Wales name their dogs human names. Just not, oh, even, boy. not even like dog-based human names, but just... Not like Fluffy, Scout, Spot. Not like oh, Henry. No, Henry. Just like Doug. <laughs> Jeff. They, it's, they like one syllable. Bill, Jeff, Scott, Gary. We went to this. This guy is a world-renowned sheep herder. And a, he's, I mean, he sells these sheep dogs all over the world. And we stayed with him at his beautiful sheep ranch in Wales for five days. And 
when, as we're looking through all these dogs, he's got his little helper with him, and one of the dogs will chase a sheep. Like, okay, go get Bill. Go get Jack. Go get June. Go get Scott. And I'm like, what in the world? So, yeah, no, there's no unique fluffy bunny names for dogs over there. And these dogs are machines. They get out of the truck, and they don't care about people or getting petted. All they want to do is chase sheep. And the few of the days that we were in Wales, I mean, I've never seen rain come down in a sideways fashion like it was wind blowing 30, 40 miles an hour. And, and these guys just, they say that dog's name and that dog is soaking wet, running through knee deep mud and water. But boy, they bring those sheep back every time. <laughs> hmm. Do they? It was absolutely amazing to watch it in Wales is a beautiful country and to see all these rolling green pastures everywhere that you look and every single one of them has a couple hundred sheep in them. I've never seen, I bet you we saw 10 million sheep in five days. <laughs> huh. I wonder if there are more sheep than people. I'll have to look that up. Huh. Yes, there are definitely. Are, I bet those dogs are really worth a lot considering yeah. all the work and stuff they do. Like, Kevin's this guy sells his his finished dogs, the dogs that know how to do what they need to do and know all the whistling commands, they sell for for twenty thousand dollars. I bet he's like having a, a full time yeah. hand. Yeah. So how are the dogs yeah, how he, are the dogs trained? Do the do dogs train each other or are they I mean, obviously the first dog no, is trained they, by a person, but they're all trained by a person. This guy, the, the guy whose farm we stayed at, he has a woman who is a professional trainer that literally lives on his property. Hmm. And all day, every day, she takes, she works, I think she, we heard she trains, she works 20 dogs a day. Whoa. And she literally just takes them out of the barn, rain or shine, works them on some sheep. And what she has to do is he has so many sheep and the sheep get, they get used to being chased, so or herded, so they, they get kind of a little bit savvy, and they'll finally uh, they'll turn around and be like, "Oh yeah, you're not gonna chase me. I'm gonna run you over." Um, so she has to spend her day swapping sheep out too. So she'll take the the uh, dog and go into a separate pen. She'll break four sheep off of the 500 sheep flock, and she'll bring them into the pasture. And she literally does that all day long. Oh my god! And. Yeah, the verbal commands and the whistling commands that these dogs understand is it's incredible. To see it in person, I mean, I've seen it before. Christy's been into a little bit of herding, and our friend Rebecca has been into herding for a long time. And I've been to a few trials, but to go to a working farm where there's 2,000 sheep and watch this girl take a dog and make it run 500 yards away and by itself break four sheep off of the flock and bring them back to her. You're just like, what just happened? I couldn't, there's most of the kids in the world. You couldn't even tell them to do that and they wouldn't be able to figure it out. <laughs> Jeez. That's just, that's I feel like if, if you were to purchase a dog like that, you would need an online course to learn all of the different whistles. <laughs> yeah. Well, are the there thing different about whistles? it is you Oh, yeah, there's whistles for everything, left, right, flank, stop, lay down. Oh. It's, and if you're purchasing a dog like that from these people, you already know all the whistles and everything. You don't, you know, Different this guy, that we, the guy whose house we stayed at, he put on, I mean, he loves us because 
our friend bought five dogs while we were there. Holy moly. So she got, obviously she gets a discount, but she has purchased like 10 dogs from him in the past. So he loved us. He's like, yeah. He, are these dogs that it, are it was, trained or dogs five. that are, that were, are just like for breeding? No, these are all dogs that are trained to some varying degree, some highly trained, some trained good enough. Um, and she purchased them for either actually basically to bring them home and see which ones are the best and she'll keep the best two or three and she'll sell the rest and yeah it's a it's it's a business it's a whole nother world i didn't even know existed yeah i know no man me neither huh interesting so you were gone for a long time and you have you and christy have dogs what obviously it was minding your farm <laughs> yeah we we dog sit for people but you have more than just one or two dogs what happens to your dogs while you're gone because yeah, so that's a lot of dogs but it is you know right before we left we had uh, two three weeks before we left we only had 11 but we got a grown dog and a puppy right before we left so christy and i are very fortunate to have the absolute best pet sitter in the entire world who comes and stays at our house and he is a groomer and has been around dogs his whole life and he also knows how to train them and he's just really really good with the dogs and crazy enough he loves coming here to do it so we were very fortunate enough to be able to go and when we got back our 11-week-old puppy was house-trained, crate-trained. She knew her name. She has great recall. So it, we're so lucky. I, I jokingly told Christy last night, I said, you know, Cameron, he's only 24, which for Christy to leave all her creatures with a 24-year-old speaks volumes of how wonderful of a person he is. <laughs> but I told her to tell him that no matter where he goes in life, he cannot ever not be our pet sitter. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, just you just don't leave 14 border collies one of which is a puppy with just some random joe they would have ended up probably jumping off a bridge (laughs) yeah that's a lot of that's a lot of dog that's a lot of especially with a puppy oh my gosh Ooh, and this puppy i'm here to tell you this puppy is probably one of the most wide open puppies i've ever seen she's really good and she's really smart but oh my god she has a never-ending gas tank and is into i've never seen anything like it she is into everything if we got home and i'm like holy crap (laughs) what did you do (laughs) what did you do yeah puppies are cute yeah so puppies are cute but i prefer them when other people own them yeah christy is a puppy person she is really good that's her forte and she loves the challenge of a puppy Unfortunately, I do not. <laughs> you know, one of the dogs we got before we left, her name is Rafi, and she's fully grown, and she is all already knows everything, and is a great dog, and that's more my kind of arrives train. She's really calm. She yep. loves me more than anything. It's by my feet. It's quiet. Yep. While everyone else is running around like a bunch of Tasmanian devils with their heads popped off, and I'm just like, oh, my God. I felt like we were gone for five years. I want to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's too much. But don't get me wrong. I love all my dogs to death. It's just sometimes it's like, wow, 
13 yeah. is a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a I, lot. I would say so. Most people would feel that like two or three was a lot. And that's like, that's cheaper by the dozen territory. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you're at a sheepdog trial and you're talking to all these sheepdog people and they're like, oh, you don't trial? And I'm like, no, my wife is big into border collies, though. Oh, man, I figured that's why you were here. How many border How many do you have? 13. And their eyes get big like, are you high? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, when a sheepdog person is saying that, I'm like, this is not cool. <laughs> not cool at all. And fortunately for me, kind of, so in Europe and in the sheepdog world, all these people only have black and white border collies. They don't like, they just like traditional black and white. Well, we have 13 and not one of them is black and white because Christy doesn't like black and white dogs. And the first person's house we went to, this guy is showing Rebecca all his dogs. And the first dog that he pulls out of his truck is red and white. And it jumps out of the truck and runs straight up to Christy and sits down and puts his head in her lap. And I went, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked, and Christy looked at me and goes, he looks exactly like Kip. Oh. And I looked at Josh and was like, oh, no. So we didn't, I didn't say anything about it. I watched the dog do his thing, and I saw Christy's goo-goo eyes. Well, the next day, Rebecca's like, well, we're going to go back to Ross's house because I want to look at a few of these dogs we looked at yesterday. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what's the first dog that Ross gets out of the truck? His name's Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and long story short, two days later, I find out that Jeff's coming to America to stay at the Birma's house. <laughs> Is his name now David Jr.? <laughs> Jeff. Well, you know, his... his in Wales, on paper, his name is Jeff, but they call him Joff. Yes. And Christy said, I hate traditional names. I'm not calling him Jeff. I'm calling him Joff. And I was like, well, guess what? I'm not calling him Joff. I'm yeah. calling him Jeff. Yeah, I think you should so keep for me, his Jeff. Name, his name is Jeff Gordon Jr. for me. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Jeff. The Mrs. Mr. Like Foxworthy, if you're formal. I, yeah, I get the stink eye when I say it, but I don't care. <laughs> Jeff, that's a fantastic so, yeah. name. Um, the only red dog that lives in the whole country of Wales, Mr. Ross pulled out because apparently Rebecca told her him how much Christy likes red dogs. <laughs> hey, he's a smart businessman. Kip was a, a beautiful, he wonderful dog. Smarter. He was the best that we'll ever have, and I'll have to admit, Jeff has a great personality. And for her and for us, it's a it. it if he ends up actually even really coming here and staying, it's a business move and we'll either use him as a stud dog or Christy will find a good sheep home for him. And I mean, she'll be able to sell and make a lot of money. So it was just one of those things I'm looking at Josh as this is all going down. And I was like, bro, I was here to watch your wife spend a bunch of money, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not freaking duped, man. I was duped. I'm bankers from other countries are like, yeah, it's me again. <laughs> yeah, I'm being duped. <laughs> Good old Jeff. So, so how? Yeah, yeah, we we traveled a lot when we were growing up, but we did not travel abroad. We didn't need a passport. We didn't need stuff to travel to other countries. Well, we did. We we traveled 
to other countries, but we didn't need, that was a long time. Cancun, we're old. Things like that. We're, we're, yeah, we we're old. <laughs> we are very old. Yes, yeah, um, we so how do you prepare to travel overseas? What do you need to do? How long does it take to get a passport? So that was the thing. It took a couple months to get a passport. And so we had to, we had to be diligent about that and procure said passports as soon like probably, I think it was four or five months ago because it can take up to two months. And prior to us, prior to us leaving, our plan was to leave, I think on the third or fourth of January and stay through the 16th. But two months before we left or a month before we left, they were saying, and apparently this is true that after the first of the year, not only do Americans need a passport to travel in Europe, but they need a visa as well. Oh. And we didn't have the visa. The visa process takes some time and costs more money and we didn't have enough time. So we did some homework and figured out, well, if we moved our flights up to before January one, we don't have to worry about our visa and we can just skedaddle. So, that's why our trip went from two weeks to three and a half weeks because we didn't have time to go through the visa process. Huh. Interesting. So, so and what else, was, uh, and what else did you have to bring with you? I mean, obviously you have to prepare for things like internet is different, right? But you said the internet was amazing over there, but electricity, electricity is different in other countries. People don't think about that, but it is. What's crazy is that, so we started in the Netherlands. They take a certain plug. We drove, we took a, we drove our car onto a cruise ship and drove across the Straits of Dover to the UK where they use an even different plug. When we left the UK, we a really cool experience. We drove our car onto a train and drove the road in the train underneath the Straits of Dover, which the was Euro tunnel. pretty intense. For anyone who wants to look it, it was up, pretty the Euro tunnel. That's very cool. It was. It was, you know, we were, started going on land and all of a sudden our ears started hurting. Like you were at the bottom of the pool and we're all looking around like, I wonder if this means we're underwater. And after five minutes, all of a sudden we saw lights and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we just it, it only took 20 minutes. But anyway. We get into France and they take an even different plug. We drive through France into Switzerland and they take an even different plug. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then once we get through Switzerland into Italy, they take the same plug in Italy that they took in the Netherlands. <laughs> so I had a bag full of adapter plugs and then Christy, one of her coworkers for Christmas bought her this little it's like an almost all in one. It does all but Switzerland. So it's kind of like a transformer. <laughs> You push, you push buttons and plugs pop out of everywhere. But that was the thing. Uh, our travel companions, they only thought that we had to have one plug. So every country we were in, we were all, you know, express charging our phones and sharing plugs to make things work. <laughs> so if you hadn't, so, brought, yeah. if you hadn't brought the plug adapter, you would have, first of all, probably had to purchase one. But do they do hotels and places that you stay? Do they not provide? I'm from America no. and don't have anything to plug in adapters. No, 
No, Europeans are pretty much like if you're from America, you're probably stupid already. So you're going to have to pay a lot of money for it. <laughs> that is <laughs> interesting because I know that some hotels in major cities in the United States, they provide different outlets for people who are traveling from abroad. So I just wondered if the same was yeah, no, you, overseas. You can, you can buy them there. Actually, they're quite expensive there. And I think that's another way of letting the Americans know that, hey, you should have done your homework, <laughs> but, uh, and they're really Europe. There was a lot of things that I just wasn't expecting. And one thing is they are super conscious about the environment and they're super oh. conscious about sharing, saving electricity, like all the hotel rooms that we went to in six different countries. When you go into the room, you have to take your key card and right inside the door, there's a slot and you have to put your key card in that slot. And oh. once it's in, the electricity will work in the room. But <gasps> I like so basically that. It, it's super nice. So one, but once you pull it out, nothing works. I like and it that makes a you, lot. Yes. And like in the hotel rooms, you don't have one garbage can, you have four and it, really? you recycle. I mean, and, Every restaurant, grocery store, bathroom, hotel, Airbnb, there's not one single trash can anywhere. There's three or four trash cans, and they are very diligent about recycling. That reminds me of when I worked at Michigan State. I got spoiled because they had their own recycling plant on campus. And like you said, they, they had four types of um, recycling bins and specific instructions about what could go in and what couldn't. When I stopped working there, I was a little bit sad. I would actually take stuff with me. He would. To recycle. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. And the only problem we had in a few countries, you know, in the northern part, like obviously in the UK, they speak English. In Amsterdam, they speak English, but they speak Dutch too. But France and Italy and Germany, there's not a lot of English going on. So you stay in a hotel and you have four bins in front of you and oh. you don't understand what one of them says. And you're like, oh. So our American asses have our Google translate out and we're taking pictures of them every time. And I'm like, Oh, we've been putting wet food in the dry food bin for a oh. week. Oh, no. Did you ever just peek in the little hole to see what, what other people were sticking in there to see? Which yeah, yeah. But you know, in, in Amsterdam, they have these, you know, like the, almost like a mail slot where when you open the door, oh. you can't see what's in there. <laughs> you just, but you're like, Oh, there's four of them. And I forgot my phone. Where am oh, I going to put this? No. And then when you put, when you put it in, what you think is the wrong bin, you feel like crap. You're like, Oh my God, I just polluted a foreign country. Oh no. <laughs> so would any, will any of these habits roll over? Will you consider you live in, Kinda, of, you live in the country. Would you consider starting to compost at home? Definitely, and I'll and I will be more diligent about some of my recycling, especially paper and aluminum and stuff. I just, it, you know, it, it. I love America, but <laughs> we lag behind a lot. We lag behind a lot. Those countries are really doing their trying to do their part to make our environment better. We didn't, you don't see V8 vehicles, no big, I didn't see one full-size pickup truck. You don't see semi-trucks like you do here. You see these little flat-nosed lorry trucks that have little 30-foot trailers on them. 
uh, it's it's incredible. They have roads where it's a uh, low environment impact roads where if you're going to travel on it, they charge you. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much we paid in tolls driving through all those countries, but it was it was well over five hundred dollars. And was it was it cleaner? Was there less litter? Was could you tell the difference in places? Yeah, in places, yes. In other places, I mean, I'll be honest, France is a country that I just assume I'll drive, I would drive 20 hours around it as opposed to ever driving through it. It was, (laughs) the cities were dirty, the people weren't friendly, they hear your American accent and they just shoot you, I mean, they're like, yo, you could die in a fire and I wouldn't care. It was not. France is pretty notorious for that. Yeah, I've heard that too. We stayed in a place outside of Dijon, France, and it was the only time in our three weeks of travel that I had my head on a swivel. I mean, Josh and I both just, Josh was like, man, this is really an American thing to say, but I wish I had a gun right now. (laughs) it It didn't feel very warm and fuzzy, but that was the only place everywhere else was just I bet in the some ways in that's Wales. one of the few places you can go to feel, to find out what it feels like for most other people to come to America. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. is true. Yeah, because we're I, kind of pretentious. Here. I, yeah. I, well, oh and, my and, God. And they are. Well, the other thing is, is if people overseas are traveling to America, you've got to realize that they're traveling to a country where everyone can have a gun and in other countries. That's not the way it is. That doesn't happen in a lot of places. That has got to be an unsettling feeling to travel somewhere where you can just walk around and people can have guns. That's got to be a little terrifying for people who that's not realistic. One thing that got me that it didn't scare me. It was at first it was like, holy crap, I'm way out of North Carolina. (laughs) Once you get into France and once we got into we stayed in Italy, in the in far northern Italy, which is extremely rural. I mean, it is very, very, very rural, and nobody speaks any English. And you roll in there, and you're trying to figure some stuff out, and they're speaking Italian, and you're speaking English, and you're telling them that you don't speak Italian, and they're just keep blah, 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 and that's in Italian. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You pull out your Google Translator, and they look at it like, you can stick that up your butt. I'm not talking to you in English, and I'm not reading your translator. We're in Italy, and it's kind of like, I just need to know if I'm in the right place to spend the night. And they're like, whoop, whoop, whoop. And Wow. Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing but, Google Translate probably works in some of those situations, but if someone's speaking very very fast and it's a it's a different dialect and it's very oh that's probably tricky sometimes. Man, we stayed in Milan, Italy, one night, and that lady that was it was an apartment Airbnb in which the outside was I was almost horrified. I'm like, oh, we're all gonna die tonight. But on the inside and with the security and everything, it was fine. But she's just a thousand miles an hour into my Google Translator. And my translator was just like, it was spitting Yiddish back at me. It was like, oh, and she's just nodding her head and saying yes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Somehow or another, we ended up making it all work out. But that that was the weirdest thing is. The further south we traveled, the less English there was. So we got to a point where 
I would just walk in a place and I'd go English and they would go either yes or they would go no and point to the person down the way and be like English. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the easiest way to do it. So when you when you visited a new place, I, I would immediately go to the main touristy places. And I know that probably, you know, oh, you went there, that's so overdone. Well, you know what? It's overdone for a reason because it's fun and that's where everybody goes. Did you go to the touristy places? We went We went to London, which that, I mean, I'll have to say I, that wasn't on the plan initially. Uh, but honestly, it was super, super, super cool to see the history and Everywhere you go in London, it doesn't matter where. If you are inside the city of London, it's all touristy. So we yeah. spent, oh man, I think I walked 17 miles that day. We <laughs> walked all over that rascal. And that was really, 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 really cool. But other than that, and, and we went to Amsterdam, and we walked all over there for two or three days. And that honestly was really cool too, just the history and the architecture. But other than that, I mean, we weren't in it. Well, we went to Zermatt to go skiing and that's kind of touristy, but it's all foreign tourists. So no one speaks English. <laughs> it's it's 50 different languages, but we didn't really do much of the touristy stuff. We were just kind of none of us are real touristy people. I mean, we climbed the top, the tallest mountain in Wales, Penny Fan, and that was a little touristy, but they speak English in Wales. So, you know, it's, well, they speak English, but if it's a Welsh person talking to a Welsh person, it's not any kind of English that you understand. Ah, <laughs> uh, thick accents. Huh? Uh, it's just weird words and the way they throw it all together. And yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting, but in our driving, I mean, we drew, drove through a very rural part of the Swiss Alps, the Italian Alps, the Austrian Alps, and like Southern Germany, and where the the path we took through Germany, I we jokingly said several times that uh, we come and get back into the car from stopping for gas or something, and look around and be like, none of those people have ever seen an American. <laughs> 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 we stuck out like four turds in a punch bowl. That is for certain. <laughs> One thing I've, I've friends who have traveled abroad there have said to me is that like in the United States, if you travel towards the east, like, you know, New York, Boston, things like that, you'll get into some of the oldest parts of the country. But like most of the stuff that we have is at most maybe a couple hundred years old, like, you know, the 1700s uh, would be the furthest back, whereas in Europe and Britain and everything like that, you know, stuff has been there for thousands of years. What was that like from your perspective? It was absolutely incredible. It was, I mean, it, just walking around and taking pictures of some of this stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't even really try to think about, they don't think about that part of it. But for me, that was the biggest thing. All these little towns and all these places we went to and we're walking around, you know, you look down and you're walking on a cobblestone road that like you said i mean who knows how old it was how long ago it was built these stone walls that they have all over the place and, and it's just it's incredible the history the history is amazing and it's kind of nice to see like in wales you're driving around the countryside and you just see all these houses well the one farm that we went to their residence was built in 
1820, and you can't build new buildings. They can't even remodel the houses that they have unless they go through these strenuous processes. Really? They do everything. Oh, man, especially in Wales, the guy, this farmer, he was 80 couple years old, and I sat and talked to him for two hours. And he, uh, he said, yeah, this, I've been living on this home. This, this home place has been in my family for five generations. And it basically almost looks identical to what it looked like in the early 1800s because they want to preserve it. And it's just, <laughs> see how these towns like Amsterdam to see how packed in it is. It's, it's just incredible. It is absolutely incredible it's even it's hard to it's hard to grasp and even see it for yourself you can look at pictures and it's like oh wow that's cool but when you get there and every street you walk down is just crank i mean buildings just touching each other but you look up and you're thinking wow that door on that house looks like it's a thousand years old <laughs> huh that's uh a... the architecture and the history of all these places it was just i I knew it was going to be amazing, but I was not prepared for how amazing it was. The little town that we stayed in in Italy, it's called uh, uh, Palencio or Polsonigo. I'm sorry. I, it, I think that there was only 10 people that lived there and they never came out of their house. So Christy and I were walking around downtown <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, do you feel vulnerable right now? And she's like, where are all the people? <laughs> and then all of a sudden some old man comes popping out his door and he's smiling like crazy. And it's, it's, it's like, oh my God, it's a person. And he starts gibbering in his house. And you're like, oh my God, he's happy, but I don't know what he's saying. And I mean, you pull out your smartphone and he looks at you like you have a spear in your hand. He's like, whoa, I don't want that. And then he's like, I just want to talk to you, bro. <laughs> That's funny. I, I did not I didn't realize how rural we were gonna be in some of these places, which added to the experience in a positive way, but at the same time, I could see how it could be overwhelming for some people. You know, I could I could totally see that. We just blew it off, you know. I'm like, it is what it is. He seemed like he wasn't mad, so we're gonna go about our business. <laughs> Smart. With all the, the time that you spent there, how many outfits did you have to bring with you and like how did you handle laundry and logistics like that yeah i was wondering that too i uh, would have packed like that was, three things <laughs> so that was an interesting thing because we knew we were going to be in wales for a week well it rains every day in wales i mean it, oh. i'm not talking just sprinkling rain i'm talking rain that bounces off the ground and goes up your pant legs and up your shirt and up oh. your coat oh, wow and, and we were going to be in switzerland skiing where it was freezing cold and snowing like crazy and then our our sheet trial was in Italy, and the temperatures were going to be cold. We did what we did not know before going is that they do not have dryers. Really, the only place you're going to find a dryer is if you pay a laundry service to do your dry your clothes for you, and then they oh. will wash them and dry them. So when you have a suit, we packed our suitcases so full the weight limit was 52 pounds. And when we were literally, when we were flying over there and when we were flying back, there's scales by the ticket counters. And we were literally taking one and two items out of one person's suitcase and stuffing it into another one so that we could all get under 50 pounds on our suitcases. <laughs> wow. I had to pack skiing clothes, you know, coats, snow pants. 
we had to pack warm boots, waterproof boots, rain gear, yeah, and then our normal clothes. So we got really good. So they don't use they, they use a lot of boiler type heat there with the big floor radiators. Yeah, like we have so, in our house. Yeah, we became, but these are the big radiator kind that stick up. They're like, like four foot tall. Yeah, we have those at our house. So we yeah. became okay. Well, we became the masters of tying strings up around the room and getting them to hang in front of these Use boilers. So, yeah, like that's smart. what, yeah, yeah, they work so well. Yeah. Well, in Wales, it rained the whole time and we're like, this is awful. We don't have a dryer. Well, they have every place you go, they have a nice clothesline. Yep. They just don't work very well when it's pouring rain. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, no kidding. Drying clothes was, it was interesting. And and once we got home, actually for not ever doing anything like this, Christian and I both said that we packed perfectly. We had the right amount of warm clothes. We had the right amount of clothes to where I only had to do laundry. I, I washed my clothes three times while we were there. So I basically, I took enough for a week. A week's worth of pants, a week's worth of underwear and socks and some sweatshirts. Now, you know, you wear the sweatshirts a few more than every day, but yeah we for never of doing it we all mastered it pretty well yeah there's a there's the no dryers that blew us away i was like every time we go we were going to go to a new place like do they have a dryer nope did it make you rethink no how dryer. you use your dryer at home see we don't use our dryer i have a dryer but i don't use it for clothes i dry everything on the clothesline because we have a boiler and it dries our clothes so i don't use my dryer i use a clothesline we hang dry a lot of like t-shirts and stuff like that. Some of our more, more expensive outerwear, but there are certain things like my jeans. I'm, you know, I'm a really skinny guy. And if I wear a pair of jeans, the denim kind of gets stretched out and it gets to where it's like, man, these suckers need to get washed and dried. So oh, okay. we weren't drying a ton of stuff prior, but there's certain things that just, you know, I have a couple sweatshirts, one in particular that I wore when I was skiing that I was like, I need this to be dry by tomorrow morning and it is not going to be dry. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, that's I the other that. thing. Yeah. You, these places, they control your your control of the heat a lot. Like the the Airbnb we stayed at in Italy. I mean, we called the guy one time and we were like, hey, Giuseppe, uh, can you turn the heat up just a touch? <laughs> <laughs> It's freaking cold in here, man. <laughs> but these places were so old that they have they have the old school wood shutters that close. Oh. And then they have windows. They have these open out windows that are not sealed. Well, Giuseppe came up to the house and he's like, "It's okay that you have all the wood shutters open, but that's why you're so cold." And I'm like, "But we lose all the view." If, and it's dark in here. He's like, you want the view or you want to be warm? <laughs> yeah. So this, this place, this house was 150 years old. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's They are definitely, they definitely are energy conscious. There's wind farms everywhere, solar farms everywhere. So it, it was nice to see that. You know, they don't have a bunch of big V8 trucks. The driving, European drivers are the best drivers in the world. They are courteous. They don't tailgate. We saw zero accidents. It, it was, I mean, even on the Autobahn, you're rolling 120 miles an hour and people are flying by you like you are tied to the concrete. 
and it's just a perfectly well-oiled machine. So it was amazing. Now, what, what did you I drive can't. while you were? What 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 car so, did you drive? So, we were expecting to get a, a minivan because there was four of us, a dog, and all of our suitcases, which probably weighed five hundred pounds together, all of them. Oh, that's right. For everyone listening, for everyone listening, they traveled with Gary the dog. <laughs> they, they they drove around with Gary yes. the dog. <laughs> Yes, Gary went on a trip and a half, <laughs> but we packed it all into a Volvo XC90, and that, if you don't know, is not quite a sport utility vehicle, but not quite a station wagon. <laughs> so we literally, packing that, we got really good at it by the time we were done, but it was one of those where two people would be inside pulling stuff from the inside. One person would be smashing the stuff in the back inward while another person slammed the ever-loving crap out of the the hatchback on the vehicle. With that being said, I would love to, I'm, I actually plan to send Volvo an email and tell him that the XC90 is an amazing vehicle that did us a, it was, it was wonderful. We got great gas mileage. We never had any problems. Now, I'm six foot two, so the back seat wasn't like rolling around in a van or anything, but we spent 45 hours in it. So, is that a diesel car or a regular gas car? It's a straight gas, it's just a straight gas. Um, and yeah, I I can't say enough about it, honestly. Hmm, It was comfortable and it did great. What were the it drove in snow? What were the major car brands? The, the does regular? Maybe this is a stupid American question, but are the major car brands just prevalent over there? Ford, Chevrolet, whatever, or no. is it mostly Volvo and Volkswagen and Audi? No and- Chevrolet. No Chevrolet. None. Um, occasionally, you would see a little Ford Ranger or a Ford, uh, a little Escape, but most oh. of them were Audi, Volvo. Volkswagen and Fujo. Fujo? Those were, yeah, it's a Amer- it's a uh, English car company, and they everybody drives really little tiny cars over there. I mean, and what I was really shocked by is how many station wagons, Audi, Volvo, BMW, Mercedes. There were more station wagons and Fiat type cars than there were anything else. We uh we love. I'm really glad that we didn't get a minivan because if we would have gotten a minivan, there, there were several bridges in Wales that we would still be stuck on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Station wagons are amazing. We loved our V Dub station wagon. It it is surprisingly roomy. Well, you another thing I've never seen so many is station wagons pulling trailers. People don't have big trucks to pull trailers. You'll see. A 20-foot camper behind a 10-foot-long station wagon. <laughs> really? Huh. Yep. They don't have the, the the two Ford F-150s we saw were in Wales, and you could tell that the guys driving them had a lot of money, and they had them imported, and they were for farm use because they were covered oh, in mud. Oh, huh. All right. Covered in mud. So I know that this question interests Michael a lot. Um, food. 
<laughs> when you said that, I was thinking, I wonder if she's going to talk about food next. <laughs> this is the question that's been on my mind. So <laughs> I, I know that you said that you ate a, a sticky toffee pudding that you enjoyed thoroughly, and I have it on my list of things to make a ketogenic version of it. But talk about what you ate. What was your favorite food? Where did oh you eat gosh. it? Oh, my gosh. Favorite food is that's a tough one. Uh, I had a couple pizzas while we were in Italy that, oh man, I didn't know pizza was supposed to taste like that. <laughs> so, what Absolutely. was the difference between um, Italian pizza, authentic Italian pizza, which I know Americans say, oh, this is authentic Italian pizza, but what was the difference between pizza in Italy and pizza in America? Just the ingredients, you can just tell how much fresher everything is. I mean, I, the piece I had, it had like a, uh, like a 40 day aged prosciutto on it with real balls of mozzarella and sweet basil. And then it had this special country, the way they cure their bacon in certain places. And it just, the sauce, everything is just Really, honestly, going to Europe and traveling in all the countries we did and then coming back here, our our food and our groceries are disgusting. <laughs> Everything over there is so fresh. It is so, I mean, the breads, the, oh God, the donuts, oh, my God, croissants. But, you, I mean, you go to the grocery store and they have 10 different kinds of capicola and prosciutto that's still it's still air drying and it's got the rind on it and the mold on it and you like you gotta buy it and you know clean it up and get it yourself and it's just the freshness i mean you'll walk down the bread aisle at a grocery store in italy and right next to the bread is all the eggs you know they don't everything is just so fresh we bought some bacon which they don't cure bacon there you don't go and get a package of right brand bacon that has 20 you know 30 thick slices in it i bought bacon at the grocery store one day and i bought a couple packs thinking that we'd have breakfast for a few days and by day number two when i went to open up the bacon it was rancid people don't the grocery carts there are like literally as big as the little basket you carry around people don't go to the store and buy two weeks worth of groceries they literally buy like a day or two's worth and when you go to the grocery store anywhere in Europe, you don't have a checkout lady who puts your stuff in bags. You have to purchase the bags, and they're expensive. So what you got is all these people, they just get their groceries, and they, I, I can't tell you how many people I saw stuffing raw chicken breasts into their backpacks to carry it home. <laughs> they no bags. They're stuffing their bag full of meat and vegetables. But it's the grocery shopping experience, and we went to real legit grocery stores in at least five of those countries it's amazing you just you just felt like you were eating better it was in it was a slap in the face you know i went and bought a coke and a coke in germany has three ingredients in it and then we got back to atlanta the other day and i bought a coke and i was like ah, dang there's 20 ingredients that i can't even pronounce in it <laughs> And it's that way with everything. They're just you buy a loaf of like a French a roll of French bread, a loaf of French bread. If you don't eat it in a day or two, you're gonna be able to break windows with it. <laughs> so you and, 
So what was your cheese? So your your most favorite food was pizza. What was your least favorite food? Uh, my least favorite food was uh, I always forget, and it's something that you can get here. It's a raw beef beef tartare. Oh. Beef tartare. Oh. That's a very highfalutin, you know, fancy, very bougie meal there. And it is not for me. <laughs> it is not for me. Fondue, the, the fondue in Switzerland. Oh, my gosh. You know, you can go to a fondue restaurant here in America, and, yeah, you're dipping bread and meat into cheese. But there, it's, it's, no, it's not the same. Is it, it not the same, same as in, like, good or not the same as in bad? It's no, not the same as in really good. I mean, the cheese is there. Actually, that was the most overwhelming part about Italian grocery stores is you don't have tons of choices for everything there. You know, America is the land of excess. And you go there and you go to a convenience store and you go to where the sodas are and they have like three sodas and three juices and water. And that's it. But if you go to a grocery store in Italy, they have 500,000 different kinds of cheese. And... 499,000 of them are absolutely delicious. <laughs> I've never eaten so much cheese in my entire life ever. And prosciutto and all these air-dried meats that they use, they're just so, 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 so wonderful. I really don't know. I mean, we had great food everywhere we went. But that pizza, I, I, I mean, I, I have a big appetite and I can eat a lot, but that night, they, this pizza was probably an 18 to 20 inch pizza. And when they put it in front of me, I was like, oh my God, well, at least I'll have some for later on tonight. I sat there and ate that whole entire thing in like <laughs> no time flat to, to a point where one of our new friends was like, man, Dave, you got an appetite. I'm like, wow, you're going to eat the rest of yours? Because that was killer. It was killer. I don't know you very it well, but uh, can I have your pizza? <laughs> Uh, the ice cream over there. Actually, what got me the worst was the Swiss chocolate. I ate enough Swiss chocolate for ten people for five years. Is that, I mean, Christy was. Is I that milk chocolate? Every time I go out. Is Swiss chocolate? Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's milk. Well, you can get milk and dark. I personally got milk, but they're. Wow. I mean, I love chocolate, and I promised my friend Greg that I'd bring a bunch back. And Christy went out and bought a bunch and. The night that we, one of the days we went skiing, I came home and there's all this chocolate. And I was like, whoa. And she said, that's for Greg. And I was like, not all of it. So Josh and I started eating some. And that's it, I know. She was like, so you're going to have to go buy Greg more chocolate. I'm like, I know, right? We ate almost all of it. <laughs> Poor so Greg. Yesterday I took, we, took, we took Greg's chocolate. And most of it was, I took him right much, but there was a few, but there's like, four individually wrapped pieces and he's like did they sell those individually i was like no the other eight were in that were in that box yeah they got consumed <laughs> <laughs> did they have like obviously eating chocolate but did they have hot chocolate things like that i always imagine the swiss people Ooh. drink a lot of hot chocolate i don't know why yes they do it is delicious <laughs> i actually i paid ten dollars for a cup of hot chocolate oh and it is it was so good I, I will say, if you're ever going to go to Switzerland, make sure you save extra dollars because that place is from the show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. You, it is expensive in Switzerland. 
And is it? I bought us all it, dinner one night, and it was three hundred and fifty dollars, and we didn't even really have that much. Is it yeah, the? I the, fell out of my chair. Is it the the exchange rate, or is it just it's expensive? It, oh, the exchange rate does do a little bit, but it's just expensive. I mean, the village that we stayed in is called Zermatt. You can't have vehicles there. So you park your car 12 miles from town in this parking area, and then you take a train into the village. And I don't. I think it's because goods and services, it's harder to get them in there, and I think that has something to do with it. But everywhere, even gas at the gas stations, uh, you go, oh man, you go into, like in the United States, if you're driving on, let's just say I-75, they have the little truck stops where you don't have to exit the highway, but you just pull off and there's a truck stop. Well, the truck stops there, you go in and there's a five-star deli in there. And I mean, I had two of them. I had two of the best sandwiches that I've ever eaten in my entire life. I mean, Christy and Josh and Rebecca and I are taking video of these these deli cases and people are looking at us like we're on crack and i'm like <laughs> this is amazing i mean if we were in america we could get a crappy burger king burger and here i mean what kind of sandwich do you they had 50 different kinds of sandwiches and then there's 20 people lined up at the bar drinking their little espressos and that's another thing you go to europe and you order a coffee you're going to get a half ounce of espresso and if you ask if you say can I get that in a big cup? Can I get a big cup? They give you that same half ounce in a big cup. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the coffee's so, good, though. And then the other thing, oh, my gosh. So the other thing is if you ask that, if you get that espresso and you say, can I get a, some hot water? They look at you and they definitely want to say, no, you cannot ruin our coffee with your hot water. Right, yeah. So, Do you know what that's called? Do you know what that's called when you what? add hot water to an espresso shot? It's called an Americano. Americano. <laughs> I know. And, well, trust me, I know. <laughs> you, you get shamed publicly when you order an Americano. They look at you like, oh, look at that American. Let's stone him. We, I had an old lady in, oh my, I had an old lady in Italy. I'm sitting, I, I didn't care. I was like, I, I want hot water with mine. So I'm, we're sitting at the table. She's the only person in there. And I kind of, glanced to my right to grab the thing of water and man if looks could kill i would have dropped dead right there she had to have been 85 years old and she was not happy with me pouring water in my coffee at all but i'm going to tell you what you drink one shot of espresso as josh said he's like be careful buddy that's going to put lead in your pencil because <laughs> it is woo it is so strong yeah, I bet. Do they have some places don't offer decaf coffee just because they think, what's the point? No, there's no, there's no such thing as decaf coffee there. <laughs> if there is, I never saw. They have the most wonderful, all the hotels we stayed at, they have the most wonderful, and you can tell they're really expensive, these coffee machines that'll make you the coffee, espresso, frappuccino, it makes all these different things. And man, the places that have those were... They do have the best coffee. Christy, we went to one place, and the coffee there was so amazing. It's at a hotel. So, of course, you know, you guys know my wife. She's over there at the breakfast bar opening up all the cabinets underneath to find the coffee so she can take a picture of it. 
And when I got home, there's five containers of Illy coffee sitting on my kitchen table. She's like, look what I bought when we were on vacation. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I would have done. Illy is a really good brand. And they're, some of their roasts are better than others. I can send Christy a message and, <laughs> and let her know the secrets well, this, of the Illy. <laughs> yeah. The, she found in all the different kinds we tried, the Illy Classico, the classic roast. Yep, that is. Mild and balanced. Yep, that's, and, uh, that is the one. They're, they're their actual I have so much information on this. <laughs> their their decaf coffee is a very, very good decaf coffee. It's very good. But they're they have a really good espresso blend that I can actually drink, but I cause I drink mostly um the uh coffee that's roasted for people with stomach issues. And I can actually drink Illy coffee. It's it's really smooth, not bitter at all. It's it's pricey though. It's very very expensive yeah. coffee. Before our trip, I was the kind of coffee drinker who would put three tablespoons of sugar and a quarter cup of cream in my coffee. And at coming home, like the cup of Illy I had this morning, I put a one teaspoon of sugar and no creamer in it. So I, yeah. being over there and drinking that good coffee, I no longer I use very little sugar and no cream. Um, and it, that's just coffee is their thing they're everywhere and they're baked good. They're dang tough to sit down and have these, they didn't call them donuts, but it was basically like a cream, a custard filled donut. I eat two of those every day. <laughs> they were stunning. Of course, I eat three croissants every morning with my breakfast because every, all the baked goods and the bread is just, oh to be amazing. God, it's so delicious. It was so good. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm not a, I don't get dessert after dinner. I mean, I eat sweets at the house, but when we go out to eat, I, I never really get dessert, but I eat dessert every night because uh, tiramisu and some of the mousses and ice, their ice cream, hugs, oh, a lot of good Lord. I gained uh, 12 pounds. I was going to ask that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. I, I, I stepped on the scale. I, I, weirdly, I thought about it before we left, and I stepped on the scale, and I was like, okay. And I'd forgotten about it yesterday. I'm sitting there walking through the house. I was like, oh, yeah. I wonder how much I knew I gained weight. And I stepped up, and I was like, oh, shit, 12 pounds. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. Well, that was a success. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too funny. Yeah. I have to say, we when we were in England, we had in London the first morning we had we were there. We went to this tiny little, this tiny little British diner for breakfast, and we had what they call a proper English breakfast, and it's like oh yeah, eggs, baked beans, sausage, ham, toast, and that was probably the best breakfast that I had there. And I will say that eggs, the hollandaise sauce and the eggs benedicts in Switzerland and the fondue in Switzerland, but man, man, did I eat a lot. <laughs> I think that probably you enjoyed the stuff in Switzerland because of the butter. I think maybe, I'll, oh, have, yeah. I'll have to look this up, but I think that their dairy stuff is better. Yeah. The, the Swiss dairy. We went to... We went to a place after I got done skiing. I wanted chocolate, a hot chocolate, because I'd heard their hot chocolate was delicious. Well, in Burton, they had chocolate milk and stuff as well. So I bought a few things, and yeah, 
I'm pretty sure that if I lived over there, I would weigh 700 pounds because <laughs> that one of these chocolate bars, like Greg, I hand you this chocolate bar. This chocolate bar is 16 inches long and four inches wide. And he was like, he's like, is this a chocolate you're talking about? And I'm like, I'm here to tell you right now, man, if you open that sucker, go put it on your counter where you can't get to it very well because I ate that whole thing in a day. It's like, oh, why'd you feel after that? And I was like, not worth a damn. But I went back the next day and tried it again, man. You got to be careful. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. So you traveled with a dog and you traveled home with a dog. So how does that work? How does the dog travel? How do you get a dog from one country to another? Dogs don't have passports, it's a obviously. Little bit of a pain. No, but you, so you have to, like, on the way there, we had to have him to the airport the day before we left because they have to have certain health tests because in Wales and in the UK, they don't have heartworms. So oh, they, they had to don't? do some tests. No, so they, I, I know for sure in Wales and I think in, in England too. How did so they? So we had to have a test done. Do you know how they manage? I'll I'll look it up. But do you know how they manage yeah, that? That is. I, I don't. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't know, but it's probably because if heartworms lived there, they would drown. It's so freaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, but so he gets his security or he gets his health clearance. Then you have to have you have to have you have to buy a crate from them. This five hundred dollar impact crate. And you drop him off at the airport. He flew in the plane with us. And then when we got to Amsterdam, he has to go through through customs, which took a couple hours, and we just picked him up. So we traveled freely through the countries with him. And then the day before we flew back, Rebecca had to go and take him in for another, just to check him over, make sure everything was fine, and fill out a bunch of paperwork. Well, she made a little boo-boo on her paperwork. And that ended up making us have to stay for a whole nother day in Atlanta just because what we have found is it's really easy to get out of America and into these other countries, but it is not easy to get back into America, whether you're a citizen or not. Why is we that? We drove through eight. I was, I, you know, I don't know, but we drove through eight countries and I was kind of hoping when we got back, I'd have all these pretty eight country stamps in my passport yeah well they have open borders they don't stop you i mean oh they have a little like a a little guard shack at the borders but <coughs> excuse me no one's manning it and you just move free about the countries <laughs> just like go ahead it was very bizarre i was not expecting that at all huh and when we got to Amsterdam with the dog, I mean, literally, it took us five minutes to go through customs. They didn't. They just looked at our passports, and it was easy peasy. And we got back to the U.S. two days ago, and we stood in line for two and a half hours at customs just for them to look at our passports. I mean, they don't even go through your bags or anything. You just, it's, it, it was just so bizarre. The amount of trust that they have in Europe is tenfold of what we have in the United States. I didn't see one police officer. The only police officer that I saw the entire time that we were there were the ones that were standing in front of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> oh, the, the guards. 
well, they had the, the guards in the red coats, but they also had the military dress guards with assault rifles and body armor and stuff like that. But those were the only police I saw. They really? enforced all of their traffic by cameras. I can't, I can't oh. wait. If, if Josh didn't, if Josh didn't doesn't get two thousand dollars worth of speeding tickets, it'll be a Christmas miracle. Because that rascal has a lead foot. Every five them. minutes, you're back in your life. Yep, traffic cam. Boom! Whoop! I was speeding there. <laughs> traffic cam. Whoop! I'll get hit by that one too. The um. No police. So I know, like in in several of the countries, the roads the directions the cars travel on are the opposite than the United States. So like we drive on the right uh, to head forward, they drive on the left. Was that, was that your experience through all of the countries when you were driving around Europe? No. So kind of funny, we land in the Netherlands and we rent our car there. Well, in the Netherlands, the cars are left drive like ours and they drive on the right side of the road. We get on the cruise ship and when we pull off of it, all the cars there are right drive and they drive on the right side of the or the left side of the road. <laughs> the UK is the only area in all of Europe where they drive on the, uh, the opposite side of the road. Bus. Really? Everywhere else in the every all the other countries we went to, they drive on the right side of the road and their steering wheels are on the left side of the car. So it was only confusing for a minute, but I'm here to tell you what you drive through downtown London in a left drive car on the left side of the road i am so glad that i didn't do any of the driving because riding in the back seat i'm just like oh you think that they have some roundabouts here in the united states i'm not exaggerating when i say that we went through more than five thousand roundabouts in our three weeks while we were there if you we pull up google directions and <laughs> the first one into the roundabout into the roundabout go five miles into the roundabout into the roundabout into the they are everywhere how much how often did you guys miss your exit to get out of the roundabout and have to go around again a, a gazillion times <laughs> a gazillion times because there you know because one roundabout would have had 10 exits in it and you're like trying to look at the gps and so many times and the signage is like oh my language. god <laughs> i did it again yeah i did it again this Ugenplatz Sleetenflorden road is killing me because in the netherlands man their street names have literally like 87 letters and there'll be 14 consonants in a row. And you're like, uh, uh, and of course your American GPS is trying to say that word. And you're like, wait a minute, is that the road that they're talking about? Recalculating. Oh. Damn it. I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> how, how was the signage overall from one country to the next for like wayfinding it as you were driving? All the signs in Europe, it's like they base, everyone uses the same signage. So when we got there, I, I, it was my job. I pulled up, I just pulled up road signs for the Netherlands and I had this webpage saved so we could determine what all the signs meant and everything. Cause some of them are a little like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like when you're leaving, when you're entering a town, the sign just has the town name. When you're leaving it, it has the town name with a red line through it, like a Ghostbusters line. <laughs> and you're like, um, what does that mean? <laughs> but weirdly enough, almost pretty much all the signs were the same everywhere we went. Just so once we got to know some of them, Austria was a little different. And we got in there and we're like, um, 
that just that was signless dangerous and come to find out it's it would be dangerous if you were a trucker or something but not not for so the driving was it was pretty easy getting around the whales in the uk was it was interesting because man those they have everything packed in so tight in london that some of these streets especially the one-way streets i mean we were literally going like a mile an hour because we were afraid we we're going to hit the cars on both sides the people are behind us honking their horns and we're like just stop man this is stressful as shit and our car had these motion sensors so Every time you got close to something, all these alarms would go off, and Josh was oh. like, Jesus Christ, I'm three feet, man, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> there was a few moments of like, ah, but uh, Josh was really sick when we were in Wales and England, so Rebecca did a lot of the driving, and I'll be honest, it was good to have, in those instances, it was good to have a woman driver because she, they're more methodical, and they pay better attention, and they're not heavy-footed. But then once Josh got to feeling better, we were in France heading south, so it was he's wide open, so it was pedal to the freaking metal. <laughs> Did you see a lot of like electrical vehicles or charging stations? Everywhere. Every freaking where. I mean they were everywhere. Especially in Amsterdam. We'd pull into a parking spot and oh, can't park here. Electric vehicles only and you see stations all along the canals and everything lots of that and what blew me away the most about pretty much everywhere we went is <laughs> proving how lazy americans are everyone either walked or rode bikes when you're in amsterdam my friend josh had been there before and before we got there he's like listen man cars will you can't get hit by cars in amsterdam he said but you will get hit by a bike in amsterdam if you're not paying attention and i'm oh. thinking okay Oh man, is he not lying? I have a couple pictures. There are more bikes in the city of Amsterdam than there are in the entire United States. It was on, they have their own little roads on the side of roads. And if you're not watching where you're going, you will get crushed. Fascinating. But their people are so healthy. Everybody's outside, everybody's walking, everybody's riding bikes. I think the whole, you know, watching people leave the grocery store with one thing in their hand, it's almost like it's a further motivation for them to exercise. And then the weirder thing on top of that is all these healthy-looking people, 80% of them smoke cigarettes. Really? I haven't seen, I have not seen more cigarette smoke since 1980 <laughs> here. It was huh. unbelievable. Kind of surprising considering all of the other yeah. health considerations and things that you've well, seen that that is still very popular yeah well and you know what was really weird is you know being being that i was a smoker for a long time you go into a store here in the united states and there's 50 different kinds of cigarettes to choose from well you go to a store there and there's only two or three actual packs of cigarettes but there's 50 different kinds of roll your own and all these people they all roll their own cigarettes and one guy told me it's because when you're rolling your own tobacco like that, it's 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 a healthier version. It's not <laughs> they don't have all this stuff and the filter and all this stuff. You're just smoking the tobacco. And I'm here to tell you, everybody smokes cigarettes over there. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that it, is interesting. It was very bizarre. But you don't they don't sell menthol. Menthol cigarettes have been out outlawed and then, you know, the vapes that everybody uses, you they don't sell flavored vapes. You can only buy tobacco flavored vapes. 
Mm-hmm. And they don't sell chewing tobacco. There's no chewing tobacco there anywhere. Now, if you want to buy 18 cases of wine from the grocery store, you can get a <laughs> We went to the grocery store, and when Christy and Rebecca saw that a bottle of wine was only $5, they filled up a whole shopping cart with it. <laughs> <laughs> so we could buy groceries. We bought... We guesstimated what we had as we were standing in line. We guesstimated here in the states that we had two hundred and fifty dollars worth of groceries, and when we checked out, it was one hundred and ten dollars. Wow! Yeah, um, everything is everything. What, with gas is so much cheaper. How did the the air quality or like the smells of the city and the countryside? How did that compare to the United States? It. I mean. No smells. Uh, when we were in France, the atmosphere and the town we were in, I don't, I don't know that it was air pollution because it's just kind of it was cold and cloudy and kind of rainy the entire time we were there. But it felt a little dirty. In Switzerland and Austria and in southern Germany, it was just the most fresh, clean air that you that you've ever smelled. I mean, it's just. Just looking outside, you could just see how much clearer the air was. But as far as smells, you know, it wasn't like pollutant feeling. Mind you, it, once again, it was really cloudy and dreary, so it was kind of hard to hard to really tell. But yeah, like Christy just sent me a text. She's at work. It says, "I'm hungry. It's three o'clock in Amsterdam." <laughs> <laughs> We're still pretty stuck on that time. It's hard to kick that. <laughs> so if you if you had to rank all of the 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 countries by the food that you had, um, like Germany, Italy, France, UK, what would you say were like your top three? I would say Italy was number one, and the pizza was the Wales best was number two. Yeah, pizza, calzone. I mean, we had, I had these pasta dishes with like wild, get with like roe deer in them. And I had one with some wild duck in them and pheasant. I mean, the pizza was great, but they had the bread and like the appetizers. Like, you know, you go to Olive Garden here and they bring you the bread and you can dip it in the olive oil and spices. Well, this is like a hundred year aged olive oil. And you're, I mean, so yeah, I would say Italy, then Wales, and then Switzerland, or maybe Switzerland and then Wales. Wales, the food is interesting because I mean, I told Christy, I was like, you look at these menus, and they're still eating peasant food. I mean, they're still eating the food that they ate a thousand years ago that was considered peasant food. But man, they have they have put their mark on it, and it is so delicious. I can't even. Half the stuff I can't pronounce. The other half of the stuff, I was like, I really don't want to know what that is. It looks good. Don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we went to, uh, we were at this this big sheep uh, guy's house having, he invited us for coffee. It was, that was like the 28th or 9th of, just, so, no, it was right. It was, it was New Year's, day after New Year's. And he invited us in and he's, I couldn't understand a lot he said. And he offered me something and it looked like a little, like a little pecan pie, and I was like, sure, I'll have one. I take a bite, and I was like, oh, it's not very good. And, he, and I was like, so this like a traditional thing? Oh, yeah, mincemeat. We like to eat mincemeat every year for the holidays. That's a mincemeat pie. And I was like, 
I was like, oh, I gotta be polite now and finish it. It sucks, man. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I finished it, but it wasn't great. <laughs> it was not great at all. So if you could go back, but, you to, know, if you could go back to only one place that you visited, where would you go? Austria. Austria. Austria for sure. And we we I, when we left to go on this trip, we didn't think that we were we were going to even be going to Austria. And on our way home, we were looking at our directions, and I don't know if you guys have heard of. I've heard this. We haven't heard much about this here, but over there in Germany and France, the farmers are having huge strikes. And when we were supposed to drive back through Berlin and Germany, there was 5,000 tractors blocking the entire city, and they were spraying manure all over the government buildings in Whoa. protest of some of this crap. No, I've not heard so, that. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because over there they say this is the news that the that they're keeping from the rest of the world because they don't want the rest of the world to see what these French and German farmers are doing and what they're doing is it is absolute. When we're done here today, you need to look into that. That's true. Anyway, we saw that it was going to add like three hours onto the trip, and we were like, "I'm not. We don't want to drive around that." <laughs> so we picked a new route, which took us through Austria and the Aus Austrian Alps. And I am here to tell you. A majority of the pictures that I took are from there, and it was the most beautiful, snow-covered, blue river, mountain wonderfulness that I've ever seen in my entire life. Switzerland was breathtaking, but when we cleared, when we started climbing up into the Austri Austrian Alps, I, we were all just like, oh my God, it is absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, if you're not a person that likes the outdoors and likes mountains and being outside, then it wouldn't be for you because it's just a giant mountain. But boy, and as far as the big cities, if I had an opportunity to go back to Amsterdam, I would, I would go because it is just a really, really, really cool, old, hustling and bustling city with all the canals everywhere and all the boats driving in the canals. It was just just a really, really cool city. All right. Well, there you go. I, I actually just looked up the the farmer strike and the photo that popped up were all of the the tractors lined up around a traffic circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got one of the days. One of the days we were there, there was a I think it was a French mini a police band that was blocking the road, and this guy in a tractor just came up with his forklift and just gently picked it up and moved it out of the way, and all the tractors flooded down the road. But when they started spraying manure, manure all over the government buildings and everything, and they're like, tomorrow in or two days from now in Berlin, the farmers are planning a five thousand tractor protest. I was like, we don't need to be driving near that. We need to get away from it. <laughs> And thank God, I mean, I hate this happening for them, but it took us to Austria. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, that place is amazing. Uh, Nicole, I think I sent you the picture of that castle. Yeah, yep, yeah. I, I, that, I got, yeah, I, I saw all the photos. I, I was just trying for our audience to pretend that I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I was playing yeah. coy. <laughs> Well, yeah. I didn't, you're my sister. I didn't have a lot of people to share with. And I was like, I got to share this crap with somebody. 
Yeah, I. Uh, I want to share it with all my coworkers <laughs> and friends because they're like, "Screw you on your vacation." Hey, yeah, <laughs> I found it all very interesting. As it was happening, I got to do my research insanity about all the stuff that was going on without even leaving my house. It was kind of fun, actually. I got all kinds of good <laughs> updates each day. I was like, what exciting new thing am I going to get to hear about? Yeah, the Euro Tunnel that you went through, I spent about four hours looking up YouTube videos about that tunnel. That thing's crazy. That's I, crazy. Well, we had, so we took the, we took, it's literally a cruise ship. I mean, when we left Amsterdam, there's a ship that you drive onto, and we parked the car and went up to the eighth floor, and we had our own private little room with our own food and everything, and it took six hours. It was a six-hour trip. Well, we drove to London, and then we drove to Wales, and we had to, we had like 14 hours to make it to Switzerland, and we were all talking, and Rebecca was like, well, we can take the ferry across the Straits of Dover from England, but it takes two and a half hours. So, or we can spend $40 more and we can take the train under the water and it only takes 30 minutes. And we were all like, train. Yeah. That was a crazy freaking experience. It yeah. was crazy. I was so curious to know about that. And it it is a fascinating, it's so interesting. If, if you have a few moments, just look on YouTube and look up the Euro Tunnel. It is a train that goes under water. It's very, very neat. It And I, I was like, is it really a train? It is literally a train. I remember when they were tunneling that. I, I didn't, rem I did not read. I don't remember reading about it. it. I don't remember project. hearing about it. Yeah. And people died while they were doing this tunnel. They can. And they. they yes, it, it's the straits of Dover. And, it's and you, quite a waste. You were, yeah, you were texting me and you kept saying, I can't believe I have such good internet connection. Well, I was curious about that. Well, they just they just installed LTE 4G network coverage because people were upset because they only had 2G coverage in it. So they they coupled yeah. with a telecom communication company and they, they now have perfect Wi-Fi internet through the whole tunnel because, you know, people. <laughs> God forbid you go for 30 minutes without Wi-Fi. 30 whole minutes. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It, it is. It's 30 minutes. It takes 30 minutes to go. It's like it's some, I don't remember how many kilometers, but it is about 20 miles, which is third, about 30 minutes to get through it. And it is the fastest way to travel that specific distance. And they've had to that shut. That was insane. I mean. Yeah. It's, they've had to shut the tunnel if down. we would have gotten there. Yeah, well, if we would have actually, if we would have gotten there a few days earlier, they had shut the tunnel down for I think twenty four hours because they'd gotten so much rain that rainwater got in there. Oh, I did not see. I read this on Wikipedia, and so the article probably had not been updated. They said they had shut the tunnel down only like two or three times before, and it was due to accidents and fire. They also had shut the tunnel down because a famous a bicycle guy wanted to ride from one end of the tunnel to the other and they allowed him to do it but he had to follow rules he could not exceed the speed limit <laughs> he had to go the speed limit on his bike which i thought I what, what that was. he was on a bike we were moving <laughs> so he had to follow the speed limit and that was a rule 
he could only have a certain number of people around him on his bike. It was this crazy set of rules, but he followed the rules and they allowed him to go down the tunnel. So, and the drivers of the train have very strict rules that they have to follow. I was obsessed with this train for oh, yeah. like five days. I could not yeah. stop thinking about it. It was amazing. We, as we were waiting in line, we were all kept saying to ourselves, are we really going to, as we're approaching the side of the train, the angle that we're approaching from, I'm like, how the heck are we going to get this car on the train? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> this giant door opens up and you pull in. And they're like, stay in your car. And they're giving you instructions in French and in English. And we're just listening. And then all of a sudden, we start moving. And you can see lights outside. And then you, you can kind of feel yourself going downhill. And then all of a sudden, you're, I mean, you're down, you're in deep water, obviously. You, the pressure, you're like trying to clear your ears and you almost can't. And just about the time where you're like, this kind of sucks, all of a sudden it starts going away and you see life again. And they're like, welcome to France. And you're like, what? <laughs> what just happened? Did I just go through like a time warp? I'm in France already? Yeah. It was I, pretty uh, neat. It I, was definitely an interesting part of the experience. I, I don't know if I could do it because I'm super claustrophobic and I would be so, I guess if I had to, but considering that you're in a train, you wouldn't even in know a it. tube, underwater, oh so man, oh my gosh. The ceiling of that train, it's 20 foot tall and it's 16, 18 feet wide. It's huge. I it's, know. It's but, big enough to put... They're lowered in. But even you acknowledge that the warnings that the announcer gave you <laughs> when you when you got in Ooh, the train man. are a little overwhelming. Come on. <laughs> don't, don't open the door. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, but but she also or, or said if there's, there's white no, jackets yeah. on the side of the thing. <laughs> yeah, like that's gonna I'm like, help. White jackets, man. We're at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Better take a deep breath. <laughs> We were talking about the dang Titanic submarine blow-up thing the whole time. I'm like, I wonder, is this going to be quick, or are we going to suffer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't Definitely know very, very interesting. And the t well, another thing that was insane driving through Switzerland and Austria is the tunnels that they have through mountains. I mean, in the United States, you know, they make it, there's a few tunnels through mountains and stuff, but over there, in lieu of paying to go over the tops of these huge mountains, I mean, we would go through 30, we'd be 30 minutes in a tunnel zigzagging through a mountain, and you'd come out on the other side of the mountain in, like, a totally different landscape, and it's just like, whoa. I took a few videos where it, it's insane, the tunnels, and how steep the mountains are just straight down to the highway. These giant walls that they build to catch avalanche debris and stuff that like it's like semi-circles that go halfway over the road so you almost feel like you're in a tunnel it's, it was pretty it was impressive to say the least very nice well impressive well that's a i think we really appreciate you sharing so much i feel like i got to experience at least a portion of it vicariously through all of the great descriptions that you shared with us Man, everyone, I'll be honest, I think every American should have to go to Europe and travel and see some of the stuff that they do. And I think that it would open up their eyes to small ways to make this country a lot better than it is. It was pretty, it was pretty refreshing. The only thing that I had a small problem with is in Germany and in the Netherlands, 
you couldn't use a public restroom without coughing up a dollar twenty-five. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. The first, the first one I went into, I they have like a turnstile like at the subway with a little machine, and I wasn't paying attention. I was just thinking they're counting people to go into the bathroom, and I would just walk full speed into this turnstile and did a full flip over it and landed on the ground. It was like, whoa, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> and this guy comes out and. and in German, and he's like, Sprechen die Sprechen Bergen, and I'm like, what? And he points at the thing, and he went, dollar twenty-five, and I was like, what? I gotta pay? So I put my money in, and I walked off, and he's like, whoa, 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 and I'm like, what? He's like, receipts. Take your receipt. And I kind of looked at Josh, and I was like, is this so I can write this off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why I'm getting a receipt. Josh is like, do you have to pay more to go poo? <laughs> It's for uh, probably proof, proof that you And can... another thing is you do, you do not flush toilet paper down the toilet anywhere there. They do. That is a no-no. Oh, really? You do not really? flush toilet paper. Were, I, I know oh, that. Is everywhere then? Or? Well, so not everywhere. So, it, you know, at like, at like gas stations and stuff, you just have, you use the toilet paper and then you throw it in the little bin next to you. Really? The one thing that I was I'll take a little bit having of the bidet that I have. <laughs> oh man. When having the bidet that I have here, I was expecting, you know, Europe bidets. Well, they have yeah. bidets and all like the Airbnbs, but it's basically a separate toilet bowl that has a faucet on the back of it and you just turn it on and water kind of just dribbles out of it. It's 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 definitely not what I was expecting. Now, it had hot and cold, which I guess was okay, but it, it, having to switch toilets to do all that kind of stuff to take care of your business and then remember to put it in the trash can, and that, it, <laughs> there was a learning curve with that for sure. We all were like, uh... <laughs> uh <laughs> These are the details that people don't necessarily tell you about when you're going to travel that way. Right, yeah. They don't want to talk, talk we about... Were definitely we had our eyes open. The first morning we were in Italy, Josh came upstairs and he's like, so I just got to throw my toilet paper that I just used in that trash can? He's like, I don't feel right about that. <laughs> and I was like, you just, well, just change the trash bag every day, okay? <laughs> Jeez, oh, peace. And he's like, what is this? I thought the day's like squirted water. And I'm like, no, that's more like a faucet. And you couldn't even, you could only adjust the faucet up like either pointed down or just barely level. So, you know, not to get too detailed about that, but <laughs> angles of operation didn't work very well. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I wish you weren't quite as tall, huh? One hundred percent. And and you know, some of the places the distance from the toilet to the bidet was an extra six inches to a foot, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna hop over here, and then I'm gonna hop back over here. <laughs> and all the toilet seats, all the toilet seats were loose and leaned towards the bidet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it was definitely, that part of it was definitely interesting. There's no doubt about it. But overall, overall honestly, if, if you or anyone that hears this is going to go to Europe, the best way to go to Europe is the way we went. We got to see everything we needed and wanted to see. We got to drive to the countryside. I got to check my number one bucket list off skiing like within hands reach of the Matterhorn and it's just there's some beautiful places over there there really is beautiful places we'll go back for sure Our, we're going to plan a trip hopefully next year to go to Spain 
But now that we've gone and we know we can survive in countries where they don't speak English and they won't kill you and you will make it, it's kind of relaxed us a little bit and opened our minds to doing a lot more traveling in the future. That makes a lot of sense. That that's a not huge intimidation factor. Otherwise, <laughs> and you it and is, you have you know, live and help to take care of your dog when that happens. That nice young man. Oh, that's the biggest part. You know, we wouldn't have been able to go and enjoy ourselves if it wasn't for our pet sitter. He he is a rock star, a rock star. It's hard to travel, and we. I, another thing I won't do is I will never go back over there with a dog. I mean, it was cool. Gary got to do his thing, but. That's a little bit of a pain. I mean, walking through the streets of London with 500,000 people everywhere and Gary on a leash just going, where are we? I live on a farm. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> These people packed me up and put me in a Volvo and traveled me all over Europe. What the heck, beeps? Yeah. And I think that Christy said that probably helped us at all of the border crossings we went through. I mean, if there was someone at the thing just to kind of, because in Switzerland and in Austria, you have to have, it's called a vignette. You have to pay extra to have a special sticker that allows you to drive through there without getting a $500 ticket. And they stopped to check you for your vignette. And everybody was so enamored by four Yankees with a dog in the car. <laughs> they were just, it was like, they were like so mesmerized by that. It's like, go ahead. <laughs> you can have fun. <laughs> There's got to be some kind of movie comedy idea there. Yeah, no kidding. What happens when four Americans and a dog travel Europe? <laughs> it's not quite yeah. Van Wilder's European it. vacation. It's not quite <laughs> hostile. It's somewhere in between. Well, we, when we were in England and we were driving around Big Ben, you know, National Lampoon's European vacation. Oh, Russ, there's Big Ben. With that circle where Big Ben is, we got jammed in that, and we drove around it like four times trying to get to our exit. <laughs> and we are like, oh, my God. Rebecca's like, just keep going, just keep going. Eventually, you'll be able to get over to the right, and we can get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we yeah, really appreciate crazy. you spending so much time talking with us, and I, oh, I would, it's my pleasure. It's good to share. I would rate your second appearance as one of my favorites, which means you're really going to have to Wonderful. bring your game the third time that you come on the show. <laughs> Well, plan on another European trip and some description next year. I think we're going to go try to see Juan, Nicole. Yeah, that's what you said. I'm trying to encourage yeah, mom to go with you. So we'll see how that works. We're going to go, hopefully go for our birthday. Mom and dad, would, they would be fine over there. They would be just fine. Yeah. Everyone, before we left, everyone said, oh, you know, keep an eye on your stuff. Work. You got to worry about people taking advantage and robbing Americans and this and that and the other. That's a bunch of crap. I have never. I feel way safer in every place we went in Europe than I do going to downtown Raleigh when the sun goes down. I mean, it's it, anyone that's fear of crime and that kind of stuff. Ah, and that's a good note to it's end good. on. An endorsement for North Carolina travel. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we thank Mr. Yeah. David Firma for appearing on not just rainbows and unicorns and. Uh, remember to tip your waiters and travel Europe and visit North Carolina. It really is nice down there. They've got people like David there. Don't forget you could visit us online at notjustrainbows.net. Uh, we really appreciate you spending time with us, and we will see you again next time. Bye -bye. Goodbye. Bye.